up, Internet? Allow me the leverage of completion. My name is Matthew Kroll. And I'm Lightning with the Blam Blams. My name is Shahir Dowd. And this is the only podcast about movies, specifically the film, The Harder They Fall. Uh, I've fallen pretty hard this week. How about you? How hard did you fall? A scale of 1 to 10. Scale of 1 to 10, prob- like in my, at my age, a 6 is probably equivalent to a 9. So when I fell, and also at my height... You know, the taller you are, right. the harder you fall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's not good. Uh, well, I mean, it also depends. Okay, fair enough. What, what uh, were you on your bike? Were you, was this a more uh, emotional or an esoteric <laughs> fall you took? Did 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 your pride take you down a oh, notch? What happened? My pride this week. I actually had something happen this week, which was like a real blow to the ego Ooh. that I'm still working through right now. But it was actually, you know, in in that kind of good way where you're sort of like. I have to rethink some things right now. Um, secondly, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, but I do. I am familiar. I'm familiar yeah, yeah. with the feeling. And then uh, I also, uh, I, I'm always, uh, whenever my children, or my, my son, hangs out with his friends, because I am a giant, I am the, uh, the focus point of attack. For, You're the jungle gym. Yeah, yeah, I am the jungle gym. And and today I had leaves stuffed into my pants uh, as kids were like running up to me and to, trying to get me. Uh, and I was also simultaneously trying to prove that I still got it with basketball. Of course. Uh, but you know what? I don't. <laughs> oh, that's all right. Yeah. It's funny. My dad My dad was also the large man who yeah. th- was the kid's jungle gym uh, yeah. who would get like wrestled by like eight, like six-year-olds in the front yard. Yeah. Um, yeah he, my milkshake he took brings beat. all the boys to the yard. Yeah. I yeah. mean, you know, uh, and, and you fell and, and now fell. it was hard. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't fall terribly hard, but I think it's because my bones by this point are just uh, not not beyond brittle, just just nice and just, just almost cardboard. So they kind of like... <laughs> They, 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 I'll land and I'll just sort of, you know, crumple roll and I'll be fine. Well, uh, with, I mean, what, there was no emotional falling, right? Like you didn't fall oh, in no, love this no. week. Oh, no, no, no. You know what? Uh, I wanted to fall in love, Shahir. I, uh, I don't know if you know this, but this, this fine weekend, uh, Cowboy Bebop came out on Netflix. Oh, yeah. Okay. I, you know, I figured I'd get ready for the Harder They Fall podcast by, by yeah. binging the entire 10 episode run in a weekend of... Uh, uh, of Cowboy Bebop. I actually, just before you get moving, I actually watched the first uh, episode of the animated show uh, a week ago. Ah, excellent. Good, good, good. Um, uh, in anticipation to like continue watching that. Not, yeah, not it, to watch the, uh, the, the live action, but just uh, you had talked so highly of it. Uh, I mean, I still, uh, top five pieces of media of all time uh, yeah. for me. Um, and and uh, I wanted to love the, the remake. I kind of knew I wouldn't, right. but I'm also glad it exists. It has a lot of like really great things and really terrible things. Hmm. Um, and it's just an interesting remix. It's like a remix of a song. Right. Like you're like, oh, that's cool that they did that, but why didn't they? They moved the hook. Like yeah. that's weird. Hmm. Like okay, uh, and uh, even though it does look like a Netflix show, like mo- you know, money on the screen wise, okay. I will say they leveraged it in an interesting way to make that like almost fault part of the aesthetic. Like they 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 did a weird balancing act. Hmm. Um, uh, I didn't love it. Uh, I I need to think about it more, but I definitely didn't hate it. So uh, okay. I did not fall in love. No, it was um, no no falling in love here. Just 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 regular well, old falling. Well, there is. Uh, I don't want to give away too much about the conversation we're about to have with this particular movie, uh, but there were emotional. There was an emotional roller coaster for me this week when it came to this particular movie. So we should move on into that. But before right. we do, we have a few emails. Do we not? We do. 
We do. You know, the harder the email comes in, the, not the bit's over. Yeah, uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> first up, we have an email from Alias. They write, uh, and I don't know if I'm ever saying that correctly. I'm so sorry. Uh, hey, I have now seen Dune three times. Holy Ooh. shit. That was That's me one swearing. Uh, one yeah. more than me. <laughs> <laughs> and the first viewing was, without a doubt, the best time I've had at the theater in decades. It's such a big narrative, and seeing it on the big screen with big speakers, it felt appropriately overwhelming. Uh, there was one moment where my brain's critical thinking gears started turning, like if I were a critic, what would I start saying about this? But then I thought, okay, I've read the book, I've already had all my thoughts on the narrative, there's nothing to do right now, just time to watch Slackjaw in wonder, and I did. Viewings two and three weren't quite as magical, though. I started noticing the seams. I It felt like actors aren't enunciating their lines or the audio is mixed poorly in all three viewings. I never clearly heard Gurney's poems nor Jessica's litany against fear, uh, the Baron's nephew named Raban, but I could have sworn the Baron called him brother. Uh, and at the end of the movie, I misheard, we came, for strength, we came for the strength of your people as the strength of you people, and I walked out of the theater <laughs> wondering if the what? script was written or uh, they hadn't seen Tropic Thunder. What do you I, think yeah, I would have these... loved for some one yeah. of the uh, the framing to turn around and be like, "Who are you calling you who, people? Who are you, what do you mean, you people? Yeah. Um, what do you think the, caused these audio clarity problems? Uh, COVID interfering with getting second takes, poor mixing, really consistently bad out theater audio, etc. Uh, and then there's there's a whole bunch of more points, but I wanted to talk about this one uh, very very quickly because uh, I thought it was quite interesting. Thank you, thank you, Alias, for for that three times, three times. Um, I wanted to. I, I really liked this sort of breakdown that you sent in of multiple viewings of things, right. because I mean, really, this might I, I, this might sound pretty straightforward and stupid, but I'm going to say it anyway. There's only two directions your opinion can go upon subsequent viewings, right? <laughs> like, but like, I never think of it that that like binary, but it's kind of true. Yeah. You're either going to fall in love deeper with a film that you see or a piece of media, et cetera, that like heightens your understanding. You find new things. You you get new takes. You listen to other people talk about it, et cetera, and you keep going back again and again. Maybe, uh, you know, having the film wash over you the first time uh, hid a lot of good stuff that you didn't like catch on to because you were so excited. Or there's the opposite when it just kind of starts chipping away at the armor. I call it uh, the Dark Knight Rises effect huh. um, where uh, the more you watch a film, the more you dislike it. Although <laughs> I'm not sure it's the exact same alias that you're saying that you disliked uh, it on these times. You just noticed these things. Um, so I, I, I was wondering myself, I've only seen Dune once, um, I was wondering myself how Dune would hold up because I definitely fell in your camp of the first time I saw it being like, this is amazing. I love this. But also like, yeah, there's probably a crack or two that would probably bug me. So as I do watch this again and again, uh, I will I will, I will, check back in and let you know. As far as the audio is concerned, did you, did you have any of these problems, Shahir? Do you remember? Uh, I am, uh, I, I'm not qualified to answer this question because I didn't see it in a movie theater. Um, and I have recently bought a new soundbar, uh, a Vizio Elevate soundbar, which is on the cheaper end, but like higher performing soundbars. Listen, uh, for as much money as Vizio pays us, being none, yeah. I will say that their low end shit it's just kind of works. Yeah, like kind of. Oh, I, I had a Vizio soundbar for a while that I thought was excellent, and again, it was like it was excellent in a way which was like, oh, if I spent another four hundred dollars on a better soundbar, I don't think I would be as pleased with it yeah given how well this thing performs so i bought a new one and i'm having some weird issues with it where um certain um modes create dips in the music and for me especially when there are moments where the music is really supposed to 
hit. Punk, um, yeah. I, and I've been trying to pro- problem solve that. And most notably, I was trying to problem solve it as I was watching Dune, as I was like <laughs> getting very annoyed at the experience of that. Uh, I, I, I did see Dune twice. Um, I will say uh, with uh, with everything that, you know, like you mentioned, The Dark Knight Rises, uh, with everything that Hans Zimmer scores, there's such a sort of audio, um, there's such a, uh, his music sort of exists and not as composed on top of the film, but as existing within the soundscape of the film. It goes through it. Yeah, it goes right through the middle of it. And, you know, most notably with Christopher Nolan, that has become interesting and problematic uh, in certain ways. And um, uh, so I think I think the quality, the, the way we do music in movies has changed. And again, this is a perfect conversation for in relation to the movie we're about to discuss. It actually kind of is. Yeah, yes. because this because the movie we're about to discuss is exemplary in, in the way that movies are scored and use music mm-hmm. uh, effectively. But so uh, I feel unqualified to answer that question. I will say that the 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 it's hard to measure the gauge of this of how this question works because as we get older our auditory experiences change and mm. our capacity to uh, discern unique frequencies change as well and so i can't tell really honestly whether movies are getting mixed in a way that is different or i'm actually just you know the way i hear things is different over time you know you know what we got to do yeah <laughs> well two two options one yeah time machine yeah. but two um actually that might not fix it but two we get young people we ask young people if it sounds good <laughs> uh yeah and and you know there's a fun thing that happens which is that um <laughs> write us in only movie podcast <laughs> if, if you're a young, com, person. Young, young person do <laughs> um, you think dune sounded good we'd like to know if you're uh, if you're 20 or under there's there's uh we actually i i did this ex- um there was a documentary i directed in new zealand years ago about uh sound wave frequencies for wind turbines of all things um and we spoke to a lot of uh audio frequency scientists uh who told us uh, who told us very in no uncertain terms the problem is is that as you age the capacity of the, the frequency of your hearing changes uh and you lose the low end uh, or you lose the, the the yeah the low end of your hearing is lost as you age noticeably. And I'm sure everyone's done, there's, there's like Facebook tests, you know, like uh, that you can do where it, they can determine your age by what you can hear. And they're very accurate because it's very scientifically proven that hmm. my son who is, you know, um, uh, in single digits hears very differently than I do. And his ability to discern unique frequencies is much better than mine is. Um, so you know, the, the, it's just uh, uh, I, I I also think music uh, movies are getting mixed very differently with the advent of uh, things like Dolby Digital, um, you know, and and the way we kind of perceive sound is all changing. But I also think I personally am getting older, and you know, like that makes a difference in terms of what I what I'm hearing. The harder of hearing they fall. Uh, that's a stretch, but yeah, sure, why not? Why, no, I'm just going to keep putting it. I'm going to keep doing it. We started yeah. with a really mediocre to lame bit, and we're going to roll it through this entire <laughs> podcast. This horse is going to die young. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, but there his hearing will not be good. Yeah, it's yeah. so interesting. I can't wait to just degenerate. Yeah. Oh, we're like, degenerating every day. Right now? Yeah. As oh, good speak, thing I'm drinking. Yeah, at the start of this podcast, I was much healthier than, the, than, than I am at this point. 
Because your liver, it like it rejuvenates itself, right? Pretty like sure that's, that's how, how it works. works. Yeah. yeah, that's just as a as a liver scientist, I All know. Right. Anyway, Alias, thank you so much for the email and uh, starting off the discussion. Actually, I'm glad because sound will come into uh, talking through uh, this film we're talking about today. And there is more to Alias's email as well, but we'll uh, try to revisit that. It was a very long and really well written email. I just wanted to take a bit of time to actually go through that, and I'll uh, see yeah. the response at some point. But uh, in response to your question, uh, you asked Stephen, what about listeners last week what science fiction books that they had read that they prefer to dune yeah uh, this is all this is a, are we doing the heart of the fall or dune i can't rem- i can't remember and, uh, well i well no we're do we talk about other movies before the movie we talk about that's why we sometimes it, put a timestamp. but it's always dune uh from now <laughs> on every down. movie is dune um uh steven writes that they uh that at uh at the age of seven he broke his foot and uh, as his classroom was up two flight of stairs the world's laziest teacher sent him next door into the school library at any break time and there was a there was a book there with a rat monster next to an airplane called starman's hmm. son by andrew okay. andre norton and he basically taught himself to read with that book i started reading anything uh anything of hers i could find and soon was reading a book a day which i have never done uh mostly <laughs> sci-fi uh, fun fact, she wrote The Beastmaster, but uh, not a sci-fi, not fantasy. Oh, I always right. preferred hard sci-fi. To me, Niven, I think he's referring to Larry Niven, kicked yep. Hubert's ass. Uh, he and Zelazny, who I uh, don't know. Z- Zelazny. L- Zelazny, I don't know that author. Uh, Chronicles of Amber. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Yep. Uh, we're better as uh, Frank's contemporaries. I read all the Dune series, but uh, enjoyed visits to C.J. Sherry's Alliance, Union Universe, Armor by John Steakley. Still one of the best books I've ever read. Rumors he wrote a sequel bef- just before he died haunt me. Uh, nowadays, uh, Louis McMaster's Bajol's Vorksigan Saga is my happy place. Okay. Uh, I know people are snobby about uh, being seen as a uh, young adult, but that re- but it really isn't. And the lady won ho- four Hugos. Other than that, there's tons of good stuff. While Dune and Foundation and God Help Us, The Wheel of Time or Game of Thrones are important when they were written uh, more than they are actually good now uh, there are a lot of better books that could be adapted Stephen thank you for that email I think what you're telling me now is that there's a lot I could read uh, and there's a lot that I need to catch up on in terms of science fiction it's a and- really good list uh, the only I'm trying to think of if there's, if there's others that I would I, I'd throw Delaney in there yep. uh, okay. with Dahlgren or maybe um, Ursula K. Le Guin uh, particularly The Left Hand of Darkness Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of good sci-fi. I'm sure. Yeah, and like uh, I've heard Ursula Gwynn, but I, you know, I, sci-fi is not my genre in terms of my reading. Um, hey, I, uh, it should be. I should read more. Yeah, but anyway, thank you so much for writing, and, and thank you for answering my question or say, answering my question via email. Yeah, appreciate uh, it. Now, you know, if only we could get these young kids, these twenty-something years old folks, to write in about their hearing, uh, <laughs> it would continue the trend uh, that Stephen has started. So, thank you very much. Um, right. Yeah, enough enough talk. More talk. <laughs> um, so we are in the midst of, uh, it is early, uh, it's mid, sorry, it is late November at this point. Uh, we it sure are, is. We are into what would traditionally be the holiday season of movies where we would start to see some of the, some of the best uh, end of year releases starting to come out. Is that right? By the, by the time this comes out, will it be... I, oh, I guess it will be November still. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Either way, time is a flat circle. Yeah. Um, this is a movie, The Heart of the Fall, which I can't actually recall why I wanted to see it. I had very loosely heard about it. Um, I hadn't watched the trailer. I just saw an image about it, and I thought, oh, there's a new Netflix release called The Heart of the Fall coming out tonight. I want to check this out. 
uh, you know, rather than like scroll endlessly through Netflix, which is what I usually do, mm-hmm. and like put things on my list and then do this and then jump over to HBO Max and do the same thing, um, I actually stopped and decided to watch this one. And boy, was I glad I did. Um, Matt, could you tell us what The Heart of They Fall is about? I would be delighted to, but you know, I'm just not good at it. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I would fall pretty hard if I just tried to do it. So luckily, there is a person over at the Internet Movie Database that does this very all the time. Uh, And they write, when an outlaw discovers his enemy is being released from prison, he reunites his gang to seek revenge in this Western. Okay. (laughs) Uh, do you know there is actually one? I actually I anticipated this this move. Not that you haven't done this before in every episode we've ever done. Uh, but uh, uh, on Netflix, I actually just I I was uh, rewatching the film uh, last night. And I just decided I'd grab the synopsis that they had written um, on the on their page. Okay, which obviously probably would have come from either the production company because this is where the pr- the film was being actually released. Mm-hmm. Uh, and their synopsis was: Gunning for revenge, outlaw Nat Love saddles up with his gang to take out enemy Rufus Buck a ruthless crime boss who's just got sprung from prison. So that's a more evocative read. Okay. I like it. It, it, That would make me want to watch it more. Okay. Maybe my point here is is that that was the one that was written probably by the production company, and the one that's on IMDb is probably written by somebody else, right? We don't, by by Mr. or Mrs. or person internet movie database. Maybe perhaps not the production company to sell the movie. I've never said it's the production company. There's there's one person. But you've you've asked the the question like, is it to sell the movie? Is it going to make you want to watch the movie, right? I I, I imagine they'd want you to. I imagine if, if there's a database of movies, right? If they want you to be interested in the movies that fill their databases, they kind of want you to watch them. Right, but who is filling that database? I know we have to. We have to get a hold of. <laughs> we have to get a hold of that, that person. May not be the people. We have to get a hold of that the person. Of the movie. We have to. We have to get a hold of them. We have to get whoever <laughs> writes all of the Internet Movie Database descriptions right. on the show. Write us in onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com if you are or know that person. All right. All right. So, um, Matt. Uh, I actually have no idea what your take on this movie would be, but uh, what did you think of The How Do They Fall? Well, first and foremost, Shahir, I hate Westerns. <laughs> really? Yeah. Really? We talked about this before briefly. Yeah. You I, hate Westerns. I, I, and, and you know what's funny? I, I always say that, and then I go back on it because I'm like, oh, well, I, I did actually. Like, the only classic Western I really like is High Noon. Okay. Um, then I really liked the uh, 310 to Yuma. Yep. The, the uh, remake then, or the original? Uh, the actually the remake to be perfectly honest. Yeah, Christian and then one, right? and yeah. then the last, the last western I liked, I guess might be this one. <laughs> um, the last, the last I, western I, I don't like westerns, but the last one I liked was the one I just watched. Yeah, yeah I guess okay. like it's just not it's not a genre like I I like. I like the the feeling of westerns. I just don't find the world interesting. I can't. I couldn't even get through Red Dead Redemption 2's beginning. Like right. <laughs> I, 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 it just it is not a a setting that grabs me. Okay. Um, it's funny. It's like that. It's that edge, right? It's the it's the edge of civilization sort of thing. Like, um, you know, before. I don't know. This is just me sort of uh, spitballing here, but like I play Dungeons and Dragons. Like that's high fantasy medieval times where, like, yeah, there's no technology, but like it's kind of way more primitive than like the West would be technically, like technologically, Mm -hmm. or just sort of, you know, our time or or current present day stuff. And I I just, I've never been interested in like 
small town saloons and like <laughs> shootouts in the street and uh, all and, you know whatever. So the genre is not something that I gravitate towards. Okay. Um, that having been said. This movie, uh, I think the technical term, again, young people, let us know. Uh, this movie is a bop. Uh, a bop. <laughs> a bop. Uh, it, it, it was really, really fun, and I didn't really know what to expect. First and foremost, uh, I loved the opening tagline of uh, about, I forget what it was exactly, but it's like, well, the, well this film's story is fiction, these people existed. Yeah. Uh, because this is basically the Avengers of famous African-American cowboys. Like... It, 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 Somewhere, it, yeah. or, or outlaws etc yeah. and like a lot of these characters were real people now they just threw them into the story because it's cool uh, and it sort of I like the exercises of like a jumping off point of like oh yeah by the way go look at all of these people we're gonna do a cool movie with them yeah. like uh, I think that's a really fun fun idea and the fact that the west has been whitewashed as much as it has been is yeah. um yeah, so I think if you, if, you, if you looked at Billy the Kid in uh, cinema versus the real story, um, I'm sure you would find many acts of revision uh, yeah. in his history. So, so, um, and then obviously the cast is just bananas. Um, you, 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 you can't shake a, a dead cat without hitting someone incredibly talented in this thing. And uh, as we said before, the music and the way the sound, I would actually ar argue that the sound mixing was as important as the score itself because while Dune, as as uh, we were talking about before, and some Hans Zimmer things tend to drown out what we are hearing sort of verbally, this was an intricate dance of sort of like sound balance, even out of... Um, I watched it on like uh, actually Shahir. I watched it on the projector that Jamie hmm. got the what you're, you're like backup projector. Right. Jamie has gotten that one. <laughs> That's such a I'm so baller. I got like a projector and a backup projector. Pinkies up, motherfuckers. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, we watched that, but we listened to like uh, you know we the the room wasn't balanced. It's playing off the back of a projector, but like it felt full. Like I mean, even on. That projector has got a great speaker set. Yeah, yeah, but like you know, it's to the left of us, right? Like yeah. it's not like it's not centered. We're not doing like it's not perfectly balanced. Um, and as all, as all things should, look at you doing a Thanos quote. <laughs> I'm just anticipating where your head went as soon as you Aww. said it. Oh, <laughs> that's so sweet. Um, yeah, <laughs> that was the best holiday present you could ever get me. Yeah, that's, um, uh, that's all you're gonna get this year. <laughs> oh, that's fine. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it was so funny because like. Every time, you know when like a song kicks in in a movie and you're like, there's two ways it can happen when it works. One is like, ooh, neat song. And it, it kicks you out of the moment a little bit. And the other one, it just like washes you in through the moment and it takes you like way longer to realize a song hit because you're just sort of vibing with it. Mm -hmm. That's what this version had. It had that sort of, this movie is all flow state for me. Right. And it, it's like two hours and some change uh, and it breezed by. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. It was just very fun. And like, I, you know, if I had to level a, 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 its greatest strength is its only minor weakness. And that to me is because there are so many characters, not all of them get like their due. Hmm. Like I thought that it never it never felt long. But I was like, by the end of this movie for being two hours and some change, I was like, I felt like I only knew like half of these people. Hmm. Like the rest of them, I got like real baseline shit like um uh, Bill Pickett and uh, and then I forget the first name Beckett. Like they're like a funny duo, but like cool. Right. One of them wants to be a gunslinger, 
and like and then one another one's a sniper and like I like it's just like a lot there's a lot of depth given to many characters but I feel like because there's like 13 characters or something like that in this movie mm. um uh you had to you know some some time was lost um but yeah I, I dug it I dug the crap out of it wasn't expecting to like it because again don't like westerns but uh right. Shahir what's about you uh, this was, uh, like, there's just, it happens very rarely that you're so, that I'm so excited when it does happen, but, like, there's times where, you know, like, I, I would describe myself as fairly, um, aware of what is coming out in a movie theater or what uh. is, what is coming out, uh, and being fairly aware of, like, the intricacies of who's, what's coming out, who the filmmaker is, who the actors are, uh, what, what the buzz is around this particular film. This is one which was fairly blank slate to me, and it's very rare that I walk into a blank slate, uh, experience like this and walk out, like, all, all in, you know, like, I'm just all in on this movie. I, this was... This is up there with the, the like I I I fully am aware that this movie will make my top five, and there is at this point a di- you know like a solid chance it could be the best film I saw this year, like without Whoa. a doubt. You know, like like it, that's not to say it will be, but I was just, like if it ended up in that position, I would be I wouldn't be surprised at this point because I was so in on this movie. Could it I, have fallen harder into your top five? It. No, it would have risen harder. No, but if, I, I picture I picture your top five as like a pit that you as throw like movies down and, and they and I'm fight, just, and I'm just snatching them out of the air. You grab like the you uh, put what's them in that the character in Star Wars, the the uh, the Snarlax. Is that what it is? A Snarl? The Snarlax? Is that a creature at the bottom of the pit? There's a Sarlacc at the bottom of the pit. I'm one of the Sarlacc. And you cross the Sarlacc <laughs> with with Snorlax, the Pokemon. Uh, I think I crossed it with perhaps a Dr. Zeus character. Um, oh, to be... that's, the, that's the Lorax. <laughs> the Lorax, yes. Yeah, so I crossed Snorax, whatever it was. Christ. Anyway, um, <laughs> the, I, lo- I flat out loved every second of this movie. And I think, um, like, I watched this with this sort of excited kind of uh, sense of vigor in terms of like, oh my God, who is this filmmaker? And... Why isn't everybody clamoring to work with this person immediately? And why isn't this movie playing in, you know, like obviously Dune being the kind of film it is, is going to get the biggest release and it's about IMAX and putting it on the most screens and everyone's talking about the experience. I was like, I was very much in the mode of this was the most cinematic experience i think i you know like classically cinematic experience i think i had seen in a long time and also a movie which i was like this is the movie to see in a movie theater this is a movie to experience on the biggest screen with the best sound in a crowd this is this is that movie for me um i think this this movie fires on almost every level uh in terms of both being um uh, an intelligent revisionist approach to to history, which 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 is corrective as well as playful mm-hmm. in terms of like the way. It, like I'll be honest, one of the things I love about this movie uh, is the the sort of relegating of white people into the background because it's mm-hmm. not a movie. It's a movie um, by African or by black people for black people, and without the sense of we need to p- make this. Uh, we need to find some sort of palette in order to make this uh, viewable by anyone who isn't black. And, you know, which is what, you know, the, the sort of green book effect that we kind of talked about, as well, right. which is the, you know, the, 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 center, the, the centering of a character who is not, 
the most pertaining to the story. Um, so I, I loved that from 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 a from a, just sort of a basic point of view. I loved that uh, there was a sort of a a real fundamental primacy to this movie in terms of its storytelling. And in that, I thought a lot about Mad Max Fury Road in terms of uh, there's such a sort of primal nature to the way in which this film has so many characters and just ta- just like lays them out on the table and just sits them in motion. And I, I was just on board with that. You know, I think you said that you felt... Um, uh, everyone got, you know, a few people got shortchanged. I was amazed at how well uh, Samuels managed to give every character a pretty amazing introduction. Like every character in this movie gets an incredible introduction, and then we know everything we need to know about them in order to set the set the story in motion. And we are, comp- I was just enthralled, and like there was never a moment where. You know, I was watching this, and if the story ventured off to follow somebody else for a little while, where I was like, ah, I wish we could just get back to this story. Every story was compelling, complete, rich, interesting, dynamic. I was, I was just so on board for it. Um, and then the direction from Samuels, I, I, I was just floored by. I think um, there's a thing that happened in 2008, which is uh, Roger Deakins and really the Coen brothers and uh, P.T. Anderson really set the stage for what the, uh, what the palette of the Western was or what the palette of the Western is from this point forward. The two movies, you know, uh, No Country for All Men and There Will Be Blood, really set the stage for what the neo-Western or the new Western would be. Mm-hmm. And it's really, um, it's really desaturated. It's really dusty. It's a real realistic approach to the actual environment of where these people live and where they come from. And, and it kind of really set the stage. I think this movie, like in a single stroke, is such a powerful... Um, uh, not rebuke, but such a powerful antidote to what what that vision has been. I mean, it, it it brought color back to the West in it, both a racial context and a uh, saturation context. Oh my God! It just it looks incredible, and I think the play with color in this film is so amazing. You know, like to the point where the there's a you know the white town is literally you know painted all white. White uh, town is hilarious. It's it's so great, and you know the the, the it's. It, a white town. Yeah, it's but the the saturation, the color levels, the the kind of dynamic interplay. You know, like the 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 bar saloon that uh, stagecoach Mary goes into and sees Idris Elba and has got this woman dancing in blue uh, throughout it. And I was just mesmer. I, I was I I was completely floored by it. Um, and then uh, you know I watched it twice in a week. Uh, and and you know unlike what Alias is saying in terms of um, you know the revisit of Dune. This was a movie that just got richer the more, you know, the, the second time around. And I was just like, the second time around was even better than the first um, because I just felt so in the hands of a great filmmaker. And it's amazing that this filmmaker is, it's, this is this is not quite their first film. And there's an interesting side note here, which is that the more I read about James Samuel, the more I'm like, man, this dude is really well, con- like this is supposedly his first film, but this dude is so well connected um, in Hollywood. That I was like, yeah. you know, do you know who his brother is? Uh, no, not off the top. No, Kiss from a Rose Seal. Really, his brother is Seal. Wow. Yeah. And so his sister-in-law is Heidi Klum. Um, he has like 
Uh, his one of his first. It's a, and he is a, he's a musician as well, which is obviously why the music. Yeah, he did Gatsby, or he was on the music department. Yeah, for he is the music department for Gatsby. He also released. Uh, he is the frontman for an, uh, a band called The Bullets, named after Steve McQueen's film The Bullet. Um, uh, Bullet, and uh, that project, while being sort of an insane, uh, the way he describes it as the five D cinematic experience. Um, which which baffled reviewers at the time, uh, still attracted Idris Elba to be on it. This was in 2012. Uh, Lucy Liu, Rosario Dawson. Uh, obviously, then he went on to direct things for uh, uh, Jay Z. Um, so this guy, this guy is just like, and 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 I think the result of that is that I don't think there is a more stacked cast in a movie this year. You know, like we talked about how incredible all the, all the actors were in Dune. I was like, mm-hmm. in this. Every actor is like an incredible, you know, like to have um, Lakeith Stanfield and Zazie Beetz in your film, you've got the two, you know, and Jonathan Majors, but then also to have Delroy Lindo, Regina King in your movie mm-hmm. is pretty amazing. You know, like Dion Cole as well. I just, everyone in this movie is is incredible. And I don't think there is a more stacked cast in any movie this year. I mean, they even got coached from New Girl. Uh, did they get coached? Da- Damon Wayans Jr. Damon Wayans was in there for a little yeah. bit. Yeah, yeah, and and he's amazing. I just, ah, God, I'm gushing at how much I love this experience of watching this movie. I, 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 I think it's it's outstanding to see something this well made, this thoughtful, and this that has, um. That that fires on all cylinders in every direction. You know, like you're just watching something that's so exciting to watch. Here's how I know it's good. <laughs> that's right, Zoe. I don't yeah. know if everyone could hear that. Here's how I know it's good. <laughs> I think the overall story, because it's it's kind of a standardized Western story in a way, hmm. um, is boring. Okay. I, I I I if you just told me what happens in this movie, I'd be like, yeah, Western. Like, yeah. cool. But everyone brings their fucking A game, and like it's it's not that let's let's even let's take away boring. It's well worn. It's mm-hmm. a it's a it's a it's a it is a solid foundation of a western plot line, right? And they tack on just fucking cool as hell characters. They're all having a great time. It, like it all just sort of jives. No one no one feels. Um, out of place again. My one criticism is I wish it had more time with some of the more minor characters, um, and it, and it just starts like taking a well uh, an old horse and and like like somehow turning back time and making it feel like fresh and new and just kind of awesome. Specifically, um, uh, uh, Daniela Dead uh, uh, yeah, Deadweiler yeah. Cuffy. Cuffy, Cuffy is amazing. Shit. <laughs> like what a fucking fun cool character Cuffy was. Um uh it, both in in their comfort zone and also uh when when they're sort of in a fish out of water scenario. Um yeah, it's just everyone's not only bringing their A game but having like a really good time doing it. Um and I don't know, I I found myself more riveted with the final battle in the town more than I am in normal final battles in the town in, oh, yeah. in any Western. Right? Yeah, this, I mean, this is not to sort of 
to 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 praise by digging, but I did watch Shang Chi this week because it was on Disney Plus, and I decided to. to oh, give is it, it out a, already? To, to, yeah, to give it a spin, and it did take me three goes to watch that movie. Like three, it really took me three three times to actually like get to finish that movie. And there was never a moment where I was actually engaged in any of the fight sequences. Oh, that's too bad. Um, or you know, like particularly towards the end, ever feel like I wasn't watching what was ostensibly felt like. Um, a really expensive video game cutscene. The um, ending of that movie is disappointing. Yeah. Um, I, but, I I feel like um, there's something to be said about fight or it, action sequences not on a green screen. Yeah. Um, but the the you know the, I mean this the the fight scene between Stagecoach Mary and Treacherous Trudy, uh, Regina King and Zazie Beetz, uh, mm-hmm. it was. Uh, you know, look, I, I think when um, when I watched Kill Bill for the first time, I really felt what was happening was that uh, Tarantino was really out to prove that he could make an action movie. Yeah. And, and he could make it on his terms because the dude has seen more movies than probably any human being uh, who's ever seen movies. And he was like, I know what can make an amazing fight sequence. And I, when I watched this, I kind of got that same sense of authority in terms of like what makes a compelling fight sequence and it has to do it it doesn't just have to do with the choreography it's the ballet that happens between the camera the audio the performers the sequencing the editing it's this entire sort of complete picture that Mm. is put together and and like that fight scene between um trudy and and stagecoach mary is happening within other Fights that are going on at the, similar to, at the same time, and they're all kind of perfectly married together with compelling stakes in each one. Where I care and know and understand who the characters are, what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are, and the movie is so well balanced that any moment-to-moment shift is not jarring, but actually delightful and 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 engaging and 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 enriching of the entire experience. So it was, uh, I just, again, I feel like I'm just going to be spending this whole episode gushing about this, but I was just so in awe with how, how good this is. Um, You know, Uh, that, that it made me go, this is, this is the guy, you know, like, like everyone should be clamoring to work with this guy. Yeah. I I feel like um, it's funny with so many stand-up performances, none of them stand out, but they all kind of do. Uh, I was gonna say, who is your favorite sort of storyline or character that that you that you got to ride along oh, with here? Fuck. That's a that's a really hard question because I just I was so enamored with the the tableau. You know what I mean? Like I I loved like the sheriff's story in the amount that I of it that I understood. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like like with the gold teeth and like that scene where he's you know he's eating his steak and he's having the speech. And then we cut and realize it's a wide shot and, he, and there's nobody there, which means that was that, very fun. Oh, I just what I like about that is that that is such a great moment of storytelling with that character where we understand where his head's at, but where his his courage is at. You know, like yeah. and I was like, that's all I need to. That's all you got to say. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I think and so. His return, can, you know, and comes back is really compelling. I mean, I do think the center of the film, in terms of. Um, you know, oddly, again, in terms of the primacy of the film and the primal nature of the storytelling, I oddly did think a little bit about Star Wars in this again. In terms of, like, to me, Idris was Darth Vader and Jonathan was Luke Skywalker. And it was a simple uh, good versus evil, 
but there's more complexity to it than that. Like I just I oh, thought about it in weird. terms of those like like Idris, uh, you know Rufus Buck's character was so menacing and everyone was so afraid of him. I thought of him in 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 the sort of mold of what Darth Vader represents in the Star but Wars universe. He was more of a killmonger than a Darth Vader, really. Like he had he had opinions about what needed to be done. I mean, he was a terrible human being, but he had opinions about what needed to be done and why it needed to be done. Darth Vader. Uh, when, I, I, when 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 his when his motivations are looked at are not as deep or meaningful. Well, but what I mean is, if you look at the iconography of um, big of bad guys, Wars, just a big guy that everyone is afraid of, and everyone should be afraid of that person, sure. right? And so Idris Elba is that character to me. Like he just he wanders in, and he is genuinely terrifying, but equally compelling. His story has got depth to it, and and his story has got meaning to it, and and I actually loved the the final act reveal, which I don't know. Can we say we're in spoilers at this point? Oh yeah, very sure, much. Why not? Let's say uh, if you haven't seen uh, the Heart of the Fall at this point, it's a complete glowing review for me. Go see this movie immediately. Um, the final reveal of who. Uh, of why Rufus Buck was doing what he or had done what he had done to Nat Love, um, well, did, to Nat Love's father. Uh, well, and ultimately to Nat Love, mm-hmm. uh, did genuinely take me by surprise. Uh, it, it was sort of like it's one of those things where it's just like, oh yes, of course this is where the story is going. But I was so enraptured with everything that was happening that I wasn't thinking ahead of the movie. You know what I mean? Um, right. which is, which is, I think we've had that, I, I've talked about having that problem in a couple of films this year where you're sort of like ahead of the, where the movie is going that by the time it gets there, it's like, oh great, we got there. Um, this was not a case, this was a case where I was not ahead of the movie, despite the twist being, you know, the, the sort of reveal not being, um, not being too far out of left field given everything we'd seen, but I when expected we got, a connection. I just didn't know which one it was. Yeah, and but when, by the time we got there, I was like, "Oh, that's amazing!" You know, like that's a, that's a really, really great piece of storytelling. Well, I think I think that goes back to sort of like you know, you don't have to be surprised in mm. a weird way. Like for instance, like uh, like Keith Stanfield's Cherokee Bill was my favorite character. Yeah. Um, I got a real Brad Pitt vibe from him in that. In oh the, yeah, a little yeah. bit, a little bit. I, I was like, I was like, this guy is just so fucking cool as a cucumber in this. But like, I love how much he like didn't give a shit Mm. and then like but also was just a complete backstabber oh well i think his entire philosophy was like let's not let's not deal with let's not do the theatrics here like yeah yeah yeah. i don't give a shit you know like i'm just gonna do what i do but like (laughs) it's just so funny like and you know you knew you knew sort of how he would end right like one way or the other but like it didn't matter because you just like liked watching him like (laughs) <laughs> kind of tear apart this dance that people do. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. I, I Every time he was on screen, I was just sort of enamored. And I like. I even like how, like, no character that lives through him, like, also, like, fully gives a shit about him and he doesn't either. Like, there's this weird, like, oh, yeah, Cherokee's like that. Like, whatever, either ignore him or don't deal with him on that, because if you do, then you're going to get fucked up. Like, there was just a, I don't know, it was just an interesting take on on a successful gunslinger being someone who doesn't give a shit about the credulity and dance and showmanship of gunslinging. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, it was was kind of amazing. And so, you know, when you said, like, I wish I had some more, you know, like, screen time with other stories, I also felt like, again, there's such a perfect balance here, which is that, 
his story, um, Cherokee, uh, Cherokee, is it Cherokee Keith or Cherokee? Cherokee Bill. Cherokee Bill's story, along with Bickworth's story, you know, the R.J. Sila, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Kyla story, uh, a performance. They're so perfectly balanced against each other, which is that I was invested in Bickworth being this person who, like, believes he's the, you know, lightning on the bland blams and the fastest gun in the West, and then coming up against a force that just doesn't give a shit about not about any of that. And so that story, while it's small, is like it's perfectly balanced, you know, like it perfectly lends itself to where this is all where this is all going. And it wasn't it was in the second viewing that I actually got like I, I haven't quite fully formed this idea in my head, uh, in terms of like what are the what are the sort of binary poles that this film works against. But I the thing that I noticed on the second viewing was this idea, it was this sort of twofold idea that I think are sort of inherently connected to each other. Um, one is this idea of marked men. Um, you know, obviously Jonathan Majors is marked for life um, and he's done. He's marked by um, Rufus Buck for a very specific purpose. Mm-hmm. But the very first thing he does is he hunts down a man uh, who has a scorpion on a tattoo, which is what he remembered from the attack on him as a mm-hmm. as a um, as a child, and and so there was this idea of marked men who are permanently affixed to or marked human beings who are permanently affixed to the, their position in life and fi- trying to fight against that. And there was this sort of idea that people characters in this film were trying to defy who they were and what they were about. Um, and so you had sort of interesting things with, um, for example, with Cuffy, you know, basically taking on a fairly masculine role, wearing pants and, you know, like always wanting to be the sheriff and then having to sort of switch in order to go do this bank robbery and sort of having to confront this idea that, you know, she she's actually a woman and has to like take on the feminine ways, uh, you know, that, that is, that's what her role is in this. But she is actually more than that. And I think there was this sort of thing where people were more than, more than the roles that they had been assigned to in life. And the, fi- the final sort of act in this film is where, you know, like basically the reveal is Rufus Buck kind of says, look, there's actually more to this relationship. I'm not just some person that, um, you know, like killed your parents. I, I was enacting revenge upon my father, and now you are enacting revenge upon me. And when Nat kills him, he, ta- he gives him, you know, and, 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 and Rufus says to him, you're, you're not a love, you're a buck. You know, you're a buck, take your revenge. And then when Nat kills him, he buries him under the name Nat Love in order to, like, become something else. And I just, I, I saw this sort of like really elegant, like, um, storytelling motif of transformation. And the one person who's like, th- there are two characters who are, you know, obviously played against each other that are just not interested in this game. And one is Cherokee Bill and the other is Delroy Lindo's, uh, Marshall who, who both, you know, like, like the, they're always saying to the Marshall, like, uh, Rufus Buck is the devil. And the Marshall is always the one who says, he ain't the devil, he's just a man. Mm-hmm. And I love it. He does have this one line. He goes, what do you mean? He goes, the devil is white. And, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's just like, the, I just think there's this really beautiful thing about transformation and who we are and what we will become and fighting against what our nature is. Um, that I think this film was really elegantly playing to, where it's not like a, a major story thing, but it's like this th- this kind of journey that all these characters are kind of going through. Um, and oh, I just, oh, so good. Just like, yeah. you, you sort of get just lost for words on how great this fucking thing is. All right, so now the hard part, here, the part, whenever you gush over a film, I have to, I have to, I have to ask the question, 
Is there any part of it? What What's one minor criticism you could give this movie? There's... There's a, there's a minor criticism I have of a story of a plot point, but I don't think that's that important. Sure. And then the but the reveal of what of how that plot point operates is actually also great. <laughs> okay. Uh, which is that Stagecoach Mary's plan to go into Redwood and offer to buy the bar, uh, the saloon from Rufus Buck seems full like like I, I i just didn't understand the purpose behind it you know like right. it, it seemed like she was sort of suggesting i'm the only one that can walk into this place uh and and get away undetected and i i I'd like as soon as that was happening i was like is that really the case like what a, what's the right what's the purpose like like this is an elaborate ruse for very little for which, which has high danger and very <laughs> little stakes on return but what i love is that rufus buck it's just sees right through it like the audience does, you know, like it just immediately just goes, uh, no, I'm sorry. This is not how this works. Yeah. And so it was like, you know, it's a minus. Sto- it's, it's a, it's such a sort of odd story point, but at the same time, I love the review. You know, I love the way sure. it also allows Rufus to, it, it also allows us to demonstrate how dangerous Rufus is, you know, like I, I sort of, I just, I, I think that that's, that's a, uh, amazing. I just did the, uh, what's your greatest weakness in an interview question and you know like you did you spun it around yeah spun it around to be actually being sometimes I fall too hard um, would be my answer in in an interview I Uh, really care a lot is my problem (laughs) sometimes the harder I fall the the better I I do it yeah yeah, I mean look it's it's hard to um, I, I, I have a hard time sort of dissecting this further without just sort of like taking the joy away from it. <laughs> like it's it's an interesting it's an interesting exercise because again, it's a genre I don't like that I really enjoyed. Um which all I can do is is credit it to all all filmmakers involved. If you can turn it's like a chef, right? If you can make a um if you can make a dish that someone doesn't usually like or a cuisine that they're not particularly fond of, but then like all of a sudden you make it in such a way it, it feels new and fresh and not just like the thing that people you know, that myself, for instance, uh, doesn't enjoy. It's just it's a really cool thing. It's one of those things that you don't. Uh, or I don't anyway see a ton in cinema in that in that way that is done. Like we I, we all kind of fall into our lanes and we can be surprised, but normally it's not buy something that you that you don't sort of like the rest of that grouping i guess i guess um, the way i would frame that is is my experience because I, I would say i'm in a similar wavelength but in a, I, I would phrase it slightly differently in terms of westerns which is that it's not a genre i kind of you know like like we said with sci-fi reading you know sci-fi novels it's not a genre i particularly mm-hmm. um gravitate towards but i wouldn't say it's because i hate it it's just that i feel like i haven't seen enough of it Mm. To to be confident that I really understand the genre, you I've know watched I mean? a lot of westerns. My <laughs> really? dad really liked westerns. Yeah, um, I uh, I had a couple of friends that were really into westerns, and mm. I would watch them and not have a good time. Right. Uh, I, I I don't I don't know. I just mm. it's and, and I don't ever. I'm not trying to. Westerns are not bad by mm. any means of the imagination. They are great. Many people love them. Mm. I am not one of those people. I have seen a ton of westerns. Hmm. I I would I mean I feel like I've seen a lot of westerns, but I would also say uh, the ones I've seen have been the great ones. So I always go, well, those are the great ones. And I feel I like I, I haven't seen, I, I I don't know the breadth of the genre uh, enough to kind of. 
I would definitively even, say I will not watch a western because I don't like the genre. You know what I mean? I would even uh, go as far to say as like I I would if I had to pick a western to watch outside of the three that I listed, including this one. Uh, it would be of the more spaghetti variety. It would be a sort of the Italian, the, the Italian Leones. style, because like at least those, like I don't know, but those I'm, are the greats, right? Yeah, no, nah, those are the really. exemplars of the genre. Eh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It, it, again, doesn't vibe with me, and that's totally cool. Uh, this is a really nice uh, 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 twist on the on the old scaffolding. Uh, that made something much stronger than uh, than the, the base the baseline of what it could be. Uh, I, also, I, oh, oh sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say also, uh, you know, Jay Z producing <laughs> on this on this beast, um, which uh, is always nice. I believe this. Did he have his PGA mark before this movie, or was this the one that did it? Uh, I, I don't know I that, don't but obviously he'd worked with um, yeah. with James Samuels before and and. Uh, uh, side note: There's a bunch of fun Easter eggs too. Like uh, all the shop names are basically like all the director and Jay Z's friends, right? Like, uh, like I mean, there's Carter and Carter for Jay and Beyonce. Like that's the general store is Carter and Carter. Yeah. Uh, and uh, there was one I, I believe the director did. Uh, I'm butchering this right now. There's a name right by the coffin maker uh, okay. shop, and it was based on Morgan Freeman's character Enough in a again. murder mystery during COVID. That that uh, Jim is uh, Samuel did with like all these famous people, including Zazzy Beats and a couple other folks. <laughs> like like there's he put so many Easter eggs of his own stuff. And I love that shit. Like it's so fun. I think there's uh, a couple. Uh, I mean, in terms of there's two Easter eggs I want to point out here as well. One is that um, he mentioned in an interview that uh, the film uh, that that uh, you know the title is also a riff on the Heart of They Come, the Jimmy Cliff film. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the Jimmy Cliff film, in the Heart of They Come, at the beginning of the movie, he watches a western in a movie theater. And that kind of what spurs spurs that character on. I actually went and found the uh, the heart of they come and watch the scene. Oh, and the and and what James has said is like, yeah. Uh, what I imagine is that that the heart of they fall is the western that Jimmy Cliff would have watched in the heart of they come. And in the heart of they the western the fictional western that's in the heart of they come, there are characters um, riding off in the sunset, uh, robbing a bank, I believe, with the crimson hoods. So when we get to The Heart of They Fall, it's the Crimson Hood gang that right. he's taken on. I love that. Yep. Uh, I believe the train is also called C. Bozeman uh, yes, for Chadwick, for Chadwick. Um, which is really nice as well. But, the other, I mean, I, I think the thing here is, is that um, black westerns is not a, you know, like the history of the black cowboy is not something that's often told. Mm-hmm. And um, black, you know... Th- Obviously, Mario Van Peebles' film uh, Posse yeah. is the is the sort of uh, benchmark by which we sort of talk about black westerns. But his father, Melvin Van Peebles, was involved in westerns as well. And then I think if we think about maybe Blazing Saddles in terms of dealing with race and racism in in the western. But I think this is such a um, such for 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 such for what is sort of uh, a somewhat limited. Um, viewpoint uh, uh, limited subgenre to discuss. Um, you know, uh, I think this will become the exemplar for future generation. Like, this will become the exemplar of that subgenre. Um, I'm sure someone like Quentin Tarantino would probably point to more films, you know, after he did uh, Django as well, in terms of like you know, having more precedent for this. But I feel that this this movie is precedent setting. Um, and, and there's also a part of me that just thinks that, you know, T- 
Tarant- I think Tarantino would love this movie. Like, I think he would flip out for this thing. Oh, sure. I'm you know, sure like, he has. Yeah, I'm sure he would freak out for the, for like how great this thing is. Um, and it just, it's it's really because, and there's a couple of things. Uh, I think Samuels loves Westerns. It's like very evident that to it's not the most saleable kind of genre to sell in 2021, but he does because he has like a complete, it's like a complete invested passion for it. His first film, uh, by the way, he did a 51-minute film uh, um, that was a Western as well uh, back in the day. I had the title. Um, that would be uh, They Die by Dawn. They Die by Dawn. I actually watched little, little bits and pieces of it. Um, again, it's just like clearly he loves the genre, so it was great. Sure. Um, and uh, I, I, the other thing is the musicality of this film. Um, you know, again, I, I thought the musicality uh, of this, again, he's writing a lot of the songs that appear in this film, but mm-hmm. the, uh, that's one thing. But it really, you do really get a sense that the movie is scored um, not just with like music that lives over the top of scenes, but it feels like those songs are really part and parcel of the scenes you know like they were they feel like they were written into the screenplay for these moments um and and you know like the final um shootout is has got such a musicality to it and and i was I, i think every music choice in this is kind of surprising uh in that they're you know he's pulling from classical from reggae from hip hop um you know to to um to old folk songs it's really and all of it feels absolutely correct mm-hmm. you know like like none of it feels like oh that's you know like maybe i wouldn't have chosen that but it's cool this was like oh i don't know what this is but this is um, th- like this is perfectly suited to like the train robbery sequence uh which has this sort of like repeated motif that comes in every time they go from one car to the next like it'll come in it'll stop as they have a scene and then they'll move on and then that music will come back as like within the scene being like a motif within within just the train car i was like it's such a like precise act i thought a lot about um edgar wright in baby driver in terms of like how he conceived of scenes that were you know meant to be accompanied to baby driver's head point of view and i i actually to be honest with you i as much as i I like what Edgar Wright was doing. I've I felt this was more successful in terms of like that sort of symbiosis between music and image and cutting and you know like there's just this beautiful marriage. Again, man, every I, I actually I tweeted this this morning and James Samuel actually like retweeted it. Uh, I, I said like if there's any human you know because there's always a conversation about who gets the keys to the to Disney's Magic Kingdom in terms of like who gets to direct Marvel movies and who gets to go out and do right, that. I was like right. And, I, and my thing wasn't that I that I want to see James Samuel direct a Marvel movie. It's just that I was like, if anybody should be given the keys to the kingdom and gets to pick whatever project they want off the basis of one film, it's this guy. Like, yeah. this is, you know, like, everyone should be going, what is the film you want to make next? And how can we make it happen? And mm-hmm. he retweeted that with, like, I approve of this message and a smiley face. Um, so I, I, I'm all in. <laughs> I'm like, I'm so all in on this thing. <laughs> yeah, no, very much same. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, everybody, this has been the only podcast about the film The Harder They Fall. Shakir, when you're not... <laughs> don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. You're, you're better than this, Matt. You're better than this. Falling hard. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> Where can folks follow you? Uh, you can... What? <laughs> what? 
You know what? I take that back. You're not better than this. This is <laughs> this is you. <laughs> this is you at 100%. Uh, you can find me trying to counsel Matt to better material at my website, www.shahiradaud.com. That's S-H-A-H-A-R-D-A-U-D.com. Matt, when you are not writing the entire filmography of the Western and why you dislike it, uh, where can people find your uh, essay work? You can find my 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 fallen writings, I guess, at my website, M-A-T-T-H-E-W-K-R-O-L.com, my life and works, also Skeletor, the number four, Pierre Easy on Instagram, or Emperor MSK on Twitter. Also, please check out the good works over at Extra Credits. I believe by this point, oh my gosh. Oh, no, not by this point. Okay, so by this point, I believe our uh, Conquest of India series has finished. And we just did something on Romeo and Juliet on our writing series, and uh, we will have, if not, um, if not already released very soon, uh, extra credits. The gaming series will have done episode five hundred, which is nutty. <laughs> um, so we're doing something special, uh, teaming up with some, what is it? Some is folks it it's not that. a half centennial; it's a half millennial. I yeah. don't know. Numbers yeah. are number go big. Mad yeah. excited. Um, yeah, so listen up next week, friendos, when we leave the Old West and we go somewhere else. What are we doing next week? I actually have no idea. There's a lot coming out that's really great. I know you want to do Last Night in Soho, which I is just really kind of streaming. Do. Yeah. Um, I, I got to be honest with you. There's a movie, there's a Disney documentary. It's not a Disney documentary. It's a nat- National Geographic documentary that's coming out called The Rescue from the directors of Free Solo. It's about the, um, the 14 um, young soccer players uh, that were abandoned or that were stranded in a um, in a cave in, cave. in uh, Thailand. Um, and Elon Musk saved them, right? Elon like, that's Musk what did save them. Yeah, from yeah. Did he accuse one of the divers of being a pedophile? Is that what he did? Listen, he says a lot of stuff. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, he's in it for the memes. Yeah, you know, yeah. is he? He's trolling he's Bernie Sanders memes. right now, isn't he? he he's tro- <laughs> he's trolling world hunger. I don't yeah. know what the fuck this dude is doing, man. <laughs> Uh, uh, if ever there was a supervillain that uh, was more cartoonish than the actual cartoons, I guess uh, this, this, I this, this, this is this one. Um, I, like I, anyway, the rescue. Villain at this point. <laughs> the rescue seems uh, like is probably the thing I'm most excited about. Uh, if you're excited about a movie and are desperate for us to talk about it, uh, please email us at uh, onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at onlymoviepod. Uh, there is a lot. There's a lot of good material right streaming right now. Uh, if this is your Thanksgiving weekend, watch The Heart of They Fall. If it's not, there's a lot of good stuff out there. You should be checking it out. You should be avoiding your family. You should be eating turkey alone in your That's... underwear in the middle of the night uh, watching The Heart of They Fall. That's Again, what, for a third that's time. What it's, that's what it's really all about. Yeah. I think that's what, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the, the story of the first Thanksgiving was, was about ignoring your yeah. family. It was really, yeah, it was just, trying, just eating so much food that you engorged yourself so much that you were incapable of conversing with your family. You would eat so much food that when you stood up, it would be hard, and then you'd fall. Oh, for fuck's sake. Hey, everybody. We'll talk <laughs> at you next week. Thanks for putting up with us. And by us, I mean me. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.